Alright guys, if you have your Bible in your hands, turn it to James chapter 3. That's right, verses 9 and 10. I am loving our participation with the handouts. It's been great. Um, thank you. I appreciate you sharing that with us. As if your actions didn't make it evident. Alright, hey, while you're turning to James chapter 3, let me tell you guys a story about a big mistake I made when I worked at Chick-fil-A. Y'all ready for this? So, you guys... Ooh, well, maybe not. You might know, but you might not. So here, here we go. Um, when I worked at Chick-fil-A, um, I started out working in the kitchen. And when I went to work at the summer camp that I worked at in college for the first time, I came back after that summer, and they moved me from the kitchen to the front. And so I thought I knew what Chick-fil-A was, but here's the deal, guys. Chick-fil-A in the kitchen and Chick-fil-A behind the counter are two completely different worlds. The kitchen is a very different job than the people who actually give you your food. And so when I moved up to the front, I had a lot to learn. And there were lots of things that I really enjoyed. Like, um, they actually even tell you how to put your feet when you're standing in the drive-thru window and handing people their cash and stuff. Because if the register is right here, they want you to stand with one foot at the register and one foot at the window for the people. Excuse me, sorry. So that you're not, like, taking money from people and then turning and closing off your body language while you do the money and then turning back to them. Like, if you say like this, you can, you can do the money and you can still talk to them and, like, make them feel welcome and stuff. So they think about literally everything, right? Um, and they have little detailed, tiny, bitty things that they make everybody do. Like one of them is this thing called the core four. So if you've ever noticed this, most Chick-fil-A employees, if they do a really good job at their job, they're going to maintain eye contact with you. That's number one. They're going to smile the entire time. They're going to speak enthusiastically and they're going to stay connected. They're going to ask you about your day. You guys go through the drive-thru with your parents at Chick-fil-A and then food takes a second. So the person in the window is like, how's your day going? You having a good time? Like, yeah, they're trained to do that. It's part of the core four, okay? And the core four are eye contact, smile, speak enthusiastically, and stay connected. I haven't worked at Chick-fil-A for like all, over five years, and I still remember that, right? One thing that took me a while to get, though, um, well, not a while. I mean, I made a really big mistake one time, and then I guess I figured it out after the mistake, but I should have just known off the top of my head how this worked, was that there is a lemonade container on the counter, right, that you can get your hand-squeezed lemonade from. Um, and there's one right next to it called Diet Lemonade. And the regular lemonade is made with sugar, and the diet is made with Splenda because some people can't take the sugar or just don't want to or whatever, so they use the Splenda instead. Um, and one day, it was my job to take the lemonade from the cooler and bring it out to the counter and put it into those little bubbler cooler things. And guess who put regular lemonade into the diet lemonade container? This guy. It was great. It was not my coworker. It was me. Okay, and I felt so bad for a second because I honestly I filled up this container with the wrong lemonade, and it could have had if we didn't catch it as it happened, it could have had terrible consequences, right? Like if people who really were like severely diabetic thought it was diet lemonade and drank it with sugar, the, the amount of sugar that they put in that lemonade is unhealthy, right? And <laughs> it's not good. Um, but it's also the Lord's Chicken Restaurant, so who knows? It might convert and be better for you. I don't really understand how that works. <laughs> But anyways, um, I do know that there's a guy who did the 30-day, like, only eat Chick-fil-A challenge thing like the Super Size Me guy did with McDonald's, and he didn't get a pound at Chick-fil-A. So I don't know what happened there. But anyways, um, I put this, this regular lemonade in the diet lemonade container, and it was not good because if somebody had taken it, it could have resulted in people getting hurt, maybe even death, right? Like, it really was a really big – well, think about it. If it's a, if it's a life-and-death situation for somebody, and that's what they do – it could put them in a state where it's hard for the doctors to work with it and help them, right? 
And it was all because I didn't read the label right, and I filled the container with the wrong thing. And it led to the potential um, for hurting others, and it took a long time to remove it and clean it and get it ready to go. But those things have this big, it's like a big square bucket that has a hole at the bottom of it. Because the thing that the bucket sits on top of is like a refrigeration unit thing. It has a, a cold element on it's like it's like a big circle. It's like an inverted plate, right? Like it's like it like comes up as a cylinder and then has a flat top. And so the the container goes on top of that, and then it's got a rubber piece that keeps it sealed. And then it's got the pipe that pumps up the lemonade at the top and makes it go out the sides and look really cool and pretty. And you gotta take that out and you gotta take the, the little spout off the front and it's in three pieces when you fully take it apart, and then you gotta take it all back to the kitchen and you gotta wash it and then you gotta sanitize it and then you gotta rinse it and you gotta take it back out to the front and you gotta dry it all and then you gotta put it all back together and then you gotta go find the actual diet lemonade and put the diet lemonade in there and then say, I'm done, right? It's a long process, right? And here's why I start there, okay? I filled that container with the wrong thing. And when I filled that container with the wrong thing, it became potentially deadly and definitely potentially harmful, right? And to fix the problem, it took a long time to pull out what was inside and put the right thing in, right? We start there because that's exactly what we're talking about tonight with cursing and blessing. And notice I did not say cussing and blessing, right? Cursing and blessing. We are going to focus a little bit more on cussing than the idea of cursing tonight because it happens so often in middle school. I've done research before where I asked my friends and I asked other people, like, when do you start using cuss words if you ever did start using them? And most of them, most people said in the middle school age range was when they first started using cuss words. Okay, but cursing is an interesting thing, and we're going to look at them together. So we're in James chapter 3, verses 9 through 10. If you were here last school year, we actually did a whole sermon series on the book of James, right? And we went through these verses, but tonight we're going to look at them specifically as it pertains to cursing and blessing. And James was Jesus' brother. He wrote this letter to all the people in the world at the time who were following Jesus. And so in a way, it's a letter to you, right? Because it wasn't to any specific church. It was to anybody who was following Jesus. So if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been saved because you've admitted you were a sinner, believed that Jesus rose from the dead, and confessed that Jesus is the boss of your life, then, then you are one of the recipients of this letter. And he's talking all about what it means to have a practical relationship with Jesus. What things do you do if you're following Jesus in your everyday life? And so by the time he gets to chapter 3, he's talking about the tongue and all the different things that we say, um, the way we use our words, and how it can affect others. And he says something very interesting in verses 9 and 10. And I'm trying to turn there with one hand. I'm going to do it. I, oh, dang it. I almost did it. Um, but in, in, in chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, he says this. And it's going to sound kind of extreme at the beginning, but then we're going to bring it down and talk about it. Okay? Here we go. James chapter 3, verse 9. Sometimes it, being our tongue, praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Verse 10, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring, oh, sorry, that's verse 11. We're not going to read verse 11. Let's pray real quick, and then we'll talk about those verses together, okay? Here we go. Father, thank you for um, this letter that you wrote through Jesus' brother. Um, I just pray that you help us see um, the really strong and profound things that you have in here for us um, and that we would let them inform the way we live our lives and not just follow our feelings like so many of us already do. Um, and I pray for the students in this room, God, that you would speak to them, that you teach them something and draw them closer to you and that you would speak through me 
um, and use me as a helpful um, communicator to them so they can grow closer to you because of this sermon. We pray, pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when I worked at Sky Ranch, we would always finish prayers with, and in his name we pray and play. Amen. I thought that was so fun. But anyways, all right. In verse 9 and 10, James says, sometimes it, what was it? You guys remember? Our tongue, the things we say, right? It praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. So James is doing something interesting here. Look at that sentence. If you've got your Bible open in front of you, look at James chapter 3, verse 9. Who is James saying is the one that's doing something in these verses? The tongue, not you, right? The tongue. That's interesting, right? Because I think it's something that we need to pay attention to when he says sometimes the tongue praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes the tongue curses those made in the image of God. Anybody ever been in a moment where you said something that you know you should not have said, but the moment before you said it, any kind of self-control that would have kept you from saying it is just gone. Like it just the word just comes out, right? It's almost like your tongue took control and said it for you, right? I think that's what James is talking about here. And then we need to make sure that we notice that because it's a big deal. And the power that comes from our words is a big deal that we have to be very serious about because if we just let it drive the way we speak and, and not think about it, then we're going to end up in a lot of pain and a lot of trouble, especially the people around us because of the things we say. So he says that the, the tongue does two different things. What's the first one? Sometimes it praises, praises our Lord and Father. And what's the second one? Cursing. Cursing. People made in the image of God, right? We're going to look at these in backwards Form because we're going to start with where the problem is and then we're going to go to where the solution is. So tonight's problem is cursing or cussing, right? And we'll explain why cussing is a part of that. And the, the solution is blessing, okay? Here, we'll, we'll get our big idea in a second because we've got to make some definitions here. Cursing and blessing, we need to know what they are. Cursing, this is what cursing means, okay? There's Greek words here that James wrote in. I spent a while looking at these Greek words to try and figure out what he was trying to say, and here's what I found. When he says cursing, he means condemning people. You guys know what condemning means? It means like giving them up to their fate and letting bad things happen to them because you didn't step in to let something, like to, to stop the bad thing from happening. It also means like abandoning them. It's almost like throwing them under the bus, right? That's what he means when he says curse, that we take one person and we shove them out of the way and let them go to all the painful, terrible things that might be there so that we can be protected and go on without them. Right? That's what cursing is. If you think about the curses that you've heard of in like movies and TV shows, like when someone says, I curse you to do this or that or whatever, they end up like getting stuck in some painful, terrible situation, right? And the person that does the cursing the person that ends up the person that does the cursing turns out a little better than the person who got cursed, right? They were condemning that person, they were abandoning them to whatever that thing was. And sometimes they just kind of direct it and make it really specific when they curse them with something specific. So here's the deal. Cuss words fall into that category. Do you know why? Because there was a study one time that decided what cuss words really were. And it said we have to have a definition for cuss words if we're going to study what cuss words are, right? And here's what they said. Cuss words are any word that is about a taboo subject. Okay, so like a word that talks about something that people don't want to talk about because they're afraid to. Right? Or they're scared to, or they, it makes them uncomfortable. So like bodily functions or religion or things like that. And that, that word had to not just be about a taboo thing, but it also had to be, a, uh, what was the word? 
Um, it just disappeared in my head. I, I should have written this part down. He said it had to be. It said it had to be about a taboo subject and it had to be offensive. I told you guys that my brain was doing some funny things today. All right, we're gonna roll with this. The the, the curse words were cuss words were taboo subjects and offensive words that were about those taboo subjects. So what that means is all those four letter words that we might learn in middle school: the F word, the D word, the A word. That's actually a three letter word, but the B word. That's five letter word. But you know what I mean. People use four letter words to say what we call cuss words are words that are about things that make people uncomfortable when you talk about them, and they are words that not only are about those things, but they're offensive words. They're, they're painful words that people use because they're painful. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, if it's a, well, let's, just, let's just back up really fast, really quick. How many of you guys know middle schoolers who cuss a lot? Look how many hands are up. Look how common this is. Keep your hand up if you would say it's really easy for most middle schools, middle schoolers to say cuss words. All right? Okay. So the question becomes, why is it so easy for middle schoolers to say cuss words? All right? Here's why. Okay? It's so easy to use these cuss words because we're focused on ourselves. Okay? Here's what I mean by that. On your blank... You're going to write this. It says, why is it so easy for middle schoolers to cuss? Because we want to be liked. How many of you guys, you've watched this, or maybe you were the person who did this. You watched it happen where somebody uses cuss words specifically because they heard someone that they want to like them use cuss words. Yeah? Okay. I've done it. It's a real thing. All right. In fact, when I was in middle school, I was playing on the basketball team, and I said my first cuss word I ever said in my life while I was on the middle school basketball team, and everybody was surprised because they were trying to get me to say it because it's a real thing where people pressure each other into saying cuss words just to get them to say it because it's almost like we want to have control over them, right? And, and they were like, oh, Ty, your dad's a pastor at a church. You're never going to say this. And so in order to prove to them that they were wrong, I said the cuss word anyway so that they would like me and they would approve of me. And it's a real thing. It happens all the time. The t- the, the, there's a dictionary out there called Merriam-Webster. You guys ever heard of that before? Merriam-Webster defines cussing or cuss words as terms of abuse. So if we go back to James's word for cursing, where he says it's, it's, it's condemning, it's abandoning people, it's using words that, that give them up to painful and bad things, that's exactly what curse words that we, that we use today are doing. They're abusive words. They're words that condemn, right? Like when people say "f you," what they're saying is you're going like we like like something bad needs to happen to you, right? We're condemning that person and sending them in our minds, at least, saying they should go and be punished for whatever they've done or whoever they've been or whatever thing like that. Here's what's interesting with that: if these words are defined as abusive and offensive words. And middle schoolers are just using them all the time. You know what that means, what we're really doing? It's like we've all picked up swords, and we're just running around, flinging them everywhere. And every once in a while, somebody gets a little cut. And when they get a cut, we realize this sword in my hand is not just a piece of metal. It's a very powerful piece of metal, right? And then knowing that we can inflict that kind of pain, it makes us think, ooh, cussers make me feel a little powerful because people like me. When I say these words, even if people get hurt, 
I'm still going to keep flinging them around anyway because it makes me feel a little better about myself. It makes me feel a little more powerful. And then we end up down the road becoming adults who use cuss words all the time and are offensive, verbally abusive people because we got so used to using words that were only abusive and offensive all the time. So the problem here is that this, this cussing comes from selfishness. Honestly, like if, if, if the only reason why we started cussing in the first place was because we wanted people to like us, then what that means is we're lo- looking at ourselves and we're looking at the world around us and we say, well, if they're cussing and I want to be liked by them, I'm going to have to do that to continue to be liked by them. Because if I'm not, that's going to be bad. So I don't want to not be liked. So I'll do it because that's what's, what it's going to give me. At the end of the day, it's just a word, right? It's not a big deal. It's just words. If it's just words, then why do people? Why does it feel so bad when people use those words against us? Anybody had somebody cuss at you before and it, and it hurt? Didn't feel good when they used cuss words to you or at you? Yeah, but for some reason it's okay for us to use them so that people will like us. Cussing in this case comes from selfishness. But what's interesting about that is blessing, on the other hand, right? Blessing. The word that James uses is defined as being praiseworthy, not praiseworthy, but like you're praising somebody, right? You're giving them adoration. You're, you're talking about them like they're the coolest thing that's ever been, like ever existed. You're giving them compliments. You're talking great about them behind their backs to other people and saying really good things about them. So here's my question. What do you think is more common? People gossiping behind each other's backs and using cuss words to talk about people they don't like? Or people encouraging each other, blessing each other, and complimenting each other, even behind their backs. Which, which one's more common in middle school? Cussing. The first one, right? So if the question was, why is it so easy for middle schoolers to cuss? Then the other side of the question has to be, why is it so hard for middle schoolers to bless each other, right? To praise each other, to compliment each other. And here's my theory. I think the reason why it's so hard is because nobody's focused on others. This is the second blank. Well, the second white blank, Okay. Cussing is so easy for us because we want to be liked, but blessing is so hard for us because we don't think about others, right? I don't think it's that we're trying to be selfish people, right? We just don't think about other people as much as we think about ourselves. And so because of that, we end up being more self-centered and selfish people than we want to admit because that's all we ever do. We don't think about the fact that we could be thinking about other people because we're just so focused on doing the things we need to do to be liked and to be surrounded by people who approve of us. And so we end up being people who come to church on Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings and praise God and say awesome things about God and then turn around and go to school or to co-op or to uh, our, our sports teams or whatever. And we use cuss words and curse people that were made in God's image. So at the same time, what we're doing is saying, hey, God is awesome, God is really great, and God is super cool. He's so good. I love him. He's perfect, and I worship him with my whole life. Oh, yeah, but also these people over here who are made in the image of God, they look like God, they work like God, they act like God because they're humans made in the image of God. Not so much. God made them, but they're not great. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to curse them while I praise my Lord and Father at the same time. Which is why in verse 11, James goes on to say that it's like a spring that's trying to shoot out salt water and fresh water at the same time. A spring in the ground cannot do two kinds of water at the same time. It doesn't work like that. The reason why this is so weird and it makes us feel so 
broken and why cussing has caused so many issues is because we were made in the image of a God who is selfless and who is others focused, not in a selfless, a selfish God's image. It does say he's jealous, which means that he cares very much about what he has created people to do and the relationship he has with them. So he's going to do what it takes to bring us back to him. But it also says um, that we, that he is a selfless God who is always others focused. So whenever we use our voices to cuss other people out or to use these words against them, we are literally using our voices to do the opposite of the way we were made to be. And we've talked before throughout this series how when we use our voices incorrectly, bad things happen, right? This is not what they were made for. So we cannot be surprised if we're part of a group of people who are constantly using cuss words all the time that people don't like us. Or we can't be surprised if people feel hurt by the things that we say. We can't be surprised if we end up saying things we regret because all we're doing is trying to get each other to like each other and somebody cussed first at, at some point and the rest of us all felt like we had to do it. So now here we are months, maybe years later as a group of people who use cuss words and we're offensive and we're using words that are defined as abusive words. We can't be surprised if that doesn't get us exactly what we want. But we also got to recognize that the difficulty in blessing others and complimenting others comes from having to be selfless. That's really hard for us to do. We are made in the image of an others-focused God, and middle school is so hard because nobody's using their voices correctly. Right? We're not we're not blessing each other, we're not complimenting each other, and that's how we get where we are. So I want to ask you this question. What blanks do we have left to fill? That's not actually my question, but I thought about it. The last one? So here's the big idea. Cussing comes from selfishness, and we weren't made for that. Right, we were made for selflessness, to put others first, not ourselves. And we talked about that some last week, right? How many of you guys got the challenge done that I gave you last week? To do something for somebody just because. Cool. Guess what? That challenge is coming back again this week. And we'll get there in a second. But I want to ask you, what do you guys think your school would look like if everybody there only ever blessed each other? There was no cursing. How would it be weird? It happens at your school all the time, right? Yeah. It would be weird because it would be upside down from what we know. But how many of you guys would actually enjoy going to school on like a super high level if that's how everybody talked? Right? You may already like school, huh? It'd be a good weird. It would be a good weird, yeah. That's right. But at some point it wouldn't be weird anymore. It would only be weird while we remembered what it was like to live in a school or go to a school who lives in school go to a school full of cursing, right? But the second that it became normal for us to bless each other, it wouldn't feel as weird anymore, and it would be awesome. Think, like it's, I think it's impossible for us to imagine how far we could go as a group of people if everybody in middle school just treated each other with, with, with encouragement and compliments and blessing, right? So I want you to keep that vision of your school in your mind because... I think there could be some people in this room who are thinking, well, I, mean, I would love to have my school like that, but it's probably not going to happen because there's a lot of people at my school who do this, and it's, it's never really going to change because it's just how they act, and there's too many of them, right? 
How many of you guys would say that there's a little bit of you that feels like that? Like, I would love this, but it's probably not going to happen, right? Okay, guess what? That mindset is a lie from the devil. It does not have to be that way. You do not have to wait for everybody else around you to start talking like that to each other, for you to start talking like that to people. You will be weird if you stop cussing and start blessing people and complimenting people. Yeah. Can I say something? Yeah. So from raising two kids that have pretty much gone through high school, both of, both of my kids were open at a young age in junior high about waiting till marriage and trying to be different. And once you get through that middle school period, it gets easier in high school. Yeah. Like, people look at JC and say, well, we know she'll never cuss. And they they lift her up for it. Once you get, if you get through the five of the junior high age, it does get easier. Don't think, oh, I'm gonna have to fight it all the rest of my yeah. life. Yeah, here's here's the the good news that comes out of that. That this feeling of the pressure to be liked by people that you feel in middle school does not last. At some point, what Tim is saying. People shift in what they care about. And when that happens, it will be so much clearer to you how good it was that you chose to live the way of Jesus in middle school. Right? Tim's even saying his daughter JC, people don't they don't just know that she won't cuss and she won't do those things, but they know they know it and they are encouraged by her because of it. They respect her because of it. It's really easy in middle school to feel like everybody else around you has no idea what's going on and you know what's best for you. It's very easy to feel that way. But at some point, that mindset has to shift. And we have to realize that if everybody's thinking selfishly, no wonder middle school is as hard as it is. So how about we choose to start thinking selflessly and speaking selflessly and using our words for the benefit of others? So here's what this means. When you're playing basketball and the referee calls a walk on you because you forgot to dribble, you don't get to say a cuss word. It doesn't work like that. You don't have to. That's where it happened most for me, was on sports fields. And in fact, like on my basketball team in high school, we would like do the starting lineup, and then instead of doing a huddle at the end, we would actually get on the ground and make like a circle. I don't know if you guys have noticed, but there's, there was a small group's a picture that used to be in the Ignite room that had a basketball team like spread around in a circle. That was my high school basketball team. And down in that huddle, all they would do is say like, F that team, we hate them so effing much. Like they would use that huddle to just cuss as much as they could and scream and yell and get so mad at the other team. This means that if you play sports, that you're going to have to find another way to express how mad you are. It means that if people make you angry in school, that you're not going to be able to say these words because you know in your mind that this word that I'm about to say is an abusive word that offends people. And I was not made in the image of a God that is like that. Because every time we tell ourselves that we're followers of Jesus and then tell other people that we're followers of Jesus and then use words like that, it utterly confuses the people around us. And then it confuses ourselves, too. Nice. It wasn't mine this time because my watch died, but... I love that. Um, we can have weird series together. There we go. <laughs> um, here's the point, though, guys. Okay, here's the point. 
If all we want to do is be liked by people, we will continue to use our words in ways that people don't like. Because the majority of people in the world are not following Jesus. They're just following whatever they feel like. And humans, when they're turned loose to do whatever they want and say whatever they want and act however they want, end up creating chaos. Did you guys know that the 20th century, from the year 1900 to the year 1999, was the bloodiest century that the world has ever seen? That means more people died in wars and from slavery and all kinds of things like that than any other century in the whole world. We really like to think that we're not brutal and savage like the people back in the prehistory days were, right? Where all the wars were being fought and everybody was, you know, warring, warring against each other and being super mean to each other and not as civilized as we are. But for some reason, with all the freedom that we have and all the awesome things that have happened in the last hundred years, we ended up killing more people as a, as a globe than any other group of people in the, within a 100-year period. The point is this. When we are turned loose to do whatever we want like a lot of middle schoolers are, because let's be honest, how many of you guys know that you're middle schooler, you've got, you've got a lot of middle school teachers and coaches who are just there because they have to be, right? Like they don't actually care, right? It's common, and I know this about you guys, you can see right through it. If somebody tells you that they care, it's easy to tell if they do or not, right? It's very easy. Which is why our leaders here try to do our very best to go support you guys and do the things that you guys are doing along with you when you're here on Wednesdays and Sunday mornings and not just sit around and talk to each other, but actually spend time with you and show you that we care about you. But if that's how most adults are treating you guys, then you're in a world where everybody gets to do whatever they want. Right? I sat at the Millsap football game last week on Thursday night um, for all the 7th grade game and half of the 8th grade game because poor 8th graders... It was not a good first half. And I had places I had to go. And I remember sitting there, and I can't tell you how many students I saw walk past me that would be so nice and happy and, and like warm to the adults that were near them. And the second they turned around and faced away from those adults and thought that those adults weren't listening to them, the words that I heard and the things that they said and the ways that people talked to each other not just the, the five, three, four-letter words that they said, but also the, the things that they said to each other, insulting each other like we talked about last week. And how quick they were to turn from this, this pretty picture of a, of a perfect kid who's really awesome for mom and dad and all the teachers around to when it's just the middle schoolers and they don't feel like anybody's watching. I was watching. It was great. It was great to know. It was not great that it happened. Right? When we feel this freedom, and so here's the point. If we continue to think that the most important thing is being liked, then that's what your friendships will be like. But all it takes is one person saying, no, I'm not going to act like that. I'm not going to talk like that. I was made in the image of a God who doesn't do those things, and I'm going to trust that he knows what he means. What he means, what he says. He knows what he's talking about when he says that I need to treat other people with respect. And you may get disrespected for that, which, by the way, if you're getting disrespected for respecting people, then you shouldn't want to be liked by those people that are disrespecting you for respecting people, right? That's not very good. Let's tie it all together with this. What if God spoke to us in curses and not blessings? Jesus would never have come, right? The Bible says that sin laid a curse on us. And that we were stuck and dead in our sins because of the things we had done. 
And if Jesus didn't care to bless us, or if, if the Father didn't care to bless us with sending Jesus to die for us, we would all be dead right now. The world would not have made it to 2022. The story would have ended a long time ago. You would never have existed, probably. Yeah. Right? But because God is good and he sent Jesus for us, he gave us the ability to be blessed with the perfection of Jesus taking our place instead of us having to pay for the things we've done wrong. So if you don't take anything else from this series, because this is our last week and use your voice. Next week, we're starting a new series called Everyone Needs Others. It's going to be about friendships. So we're going to go from identity to how we talk to each other to how that leads into our friendships, right? One second, okay? We, if you don't get anything else from this series, take this from it. You were, you, you were made to use your voice in the image of God. You were made to use your voice in the image of God. That means that if you want to know how to talk and how to treat each other, look at the way God talks to his people. Look at the way Jesus talks to his disciples. Look at the way that Paul encourages people to talk to each other in his letters. And that will show you what it looks like to speak in the image of God. Use your voice to show people God. And show yourself God, honestly. Because we can convince ourselves things about God just by the way we talk to other people. If we're not careful. Okay? Did you have a question? Yeah, uh, the last box. Yeah, the last box. And this is where we're going to finish it. Is we need something to do, right? We need we need an action plan. And here it is. The cure for cussing is blessing. And blessing comes from selflessness. If, what? You don't have the big idea? No, it's selflessness too. The big idea is cussing comes from selfishness. And we weren't made for that. And the last one is the cure for cussing is blessing. And blessing comes from selflessness. Lessness. Do you see the difference? C.S. Lewis said that selflessness is not thinking less of yourself. It's not looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, you're bad, you're terrible, everybody hates you. That's not selflessness. Selflessness is just thinking of yourself less often and thinking of other people more often. So here's your challenge, okay? Who can you bless this week? Who is somebody who needs to be encouraged? We talked about this on Sunday if you're a small groups. Who's somebody that needs to hear you give them a compliment? Right? Somebody who has gone through something difficult. Somebody who's in pain. Somebody who needs to hear that God loves them. Everybody in this room knows at least one person who's going through something who needs to be encouraged. Right? And if you can't think of somebody who's currently going through something, then think about somebody that you quote-unquote cursed to. Maybe you used a cuss word. Maybe you looked at them and said, I don't like you. You're, you. I don't like the way you do things. You're a terrible person. Or you just yelled at them even. Right? When you shouldn't have. Somebody who needs an apology. You need to ask forgiveness for. Whoever it is. I want you to find that person before Friday. And if you can't get to them in person before Friday, then call them. And tell them, hey, what I did was wrong. Or, hey, I just want you to know that I love you. Or I care about you. Or that you're my friend. Or that God loves you. Or whatever you feel like they need to hear that's good, tell them. And just see if it doesn't happen that in your heart you feel like you were doing what you were supposed to do. There's a really cool fulfillment that you feel when you live out the life you were made to live. And that is in the image of God. Okay? If you're in this room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus then it's really hard to speak in the image of a God you were made in when that God's not in your heart. 
And so the Bible says that Jesus came, he died for us in our place, and then rose again three days later so that we could have a relationship with him. We don't speak selflessly because we're good at it and we do everything right. We speak selflessly because the Holy Spirit's inside us as followers of Jesus, and we ask him to move and change us and change the way we speak to each other. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit's not in you yet. And tonight, I want you to come to me or to Amanda or Sarita or Kevin or Tim, any adult that's here for student ministry, and tell them, hey, I think I have some questions about a relationship with Jesus. I want to talk to somebody about it. Because it's not worth it for you to get up from here and go home and say, oh, I'll go to church for another Wednesday night, and I'm just going to go back to my same old thing tomorrow morning at school. Not worth it. Ask those questions and have that conversation with us about a relationship with Jesus. And if you do have a relationship with Jesus, then you know you should know at this point what your next action step should be. Maybe it's to stop cussing. Maybe it's to start encouraging others more. Maybe it's to stop doing things just to be liked by people. Maybe it's to ask God to forgive you because he has forgiven you. But by asking him, even after we're saved, it helps us remember that he has forgiven us, right? It doesn't actually make him forgive us again. But maybe you need to do that so your heart can be in the right place when you think about yourself and your relationship with him. Whatever it is, I, I really want you guys to do that before Friday morning so you can see the awesome things that happen when you do what God has called you to do, okay? I want to pray for us, and then we're going to be done tonight for the earliest in a long time. So, all right, here we go. Father, we are so grateful for you. We're grateful for what you've done for us. I pray that you help us to see how much you love us um, and to speak in a way that shows you to the people around us. I pray for those that don't have a relationship with you, that you'd give them the courage to come say something and ask a question from an adult. And for those that do, God, I pray that you would give them the self-control to use their words to glorify you and to show others how much you love them. We love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.